This is No Pink Spandex, episode 173, for Monday, April 14, 2014. everyone, Lisa J here, and I am with, we went, we, 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 we went um, a little, how do I say it? We we're changing up a little bit, right? Tristan is not here today with us, all right? But in his place, we're bringing back one of the crew. Hey, Spy, what's going on? <laughs> what's shaking? What's shaking? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Never had a catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we and I don't want to know your catchphrase. Don't come up with one. So, <laughs> but yes, you've got Spy, we got Jeremy and myself. And of course, we are so excited to have this following guest with us. Now, she, let me let me tell you something. When I was doing my, my research, okay? All right. This lady right here, she's been, she's done it all. Okay. But in every <laughs> one of my favorite shows, Golden Girls, Full <laughs> House, CSI, Family Ties. <laughs> she was in the 40 year old virgin like I, I don't, like, like so many things but we all know her as diva tox hillary shepherd turner welcome to the show hello and there's no turner, there's I, no got turner. Rid of my, I got rid of my ex-husband and his name so Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> now i'm just hillary shepherd oh pa Ooh. okay <laughs> that's totally fine it's not a big deal <laughs> I what? just love to say that because <laughs> I'm evil. <laughs> Hillary Shepard, welcome to the there show. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, because no, you you know you've gone by Hillary Shapiro and oh, I know. <laughs> I've had so many names. It was ridiculous. I was even first. I was Hillary Shapiro, and when I first came to Hollywood, which Shapiro is a very Jewish name. And I'd walk into auditions and they'd go, oh, my God, a pretty Jewish girl. You want to meet my son? You don't want to be an actress. And be, and then, oh, my God. So and I, I only played Jewish American princesses. That's all the parts I could ever get. And then the minute I changed my last name to Shepard, which is the other half of my family is, is called Shepard. So um, then I was playing everything, any ethnicity. And, yeah, it, it, was, it, was, it was on. I think now you don't have to change your name. But back then in the olden days... <laughs> You sort of had to be like nondescript, or people would just pigeonhole you. Right, Gosh. right, right. And you were born in New York, correct? Yep, I'm from Long Island. I really talk Long like Island. this. Yes. Uh, Bronx up in the house. Yeah. So yeah, no, I mean, because I'm just like, so okay, so you do forgive my faux pas because you have a lot of names. Oh my gosh, please. Yeah, and I've been, yeah, I, it's not like I, I have been around for a long time and, and, and you can call me anything, just call me. <laughs> oh. So nice. So, yeah, so let's start out. Because I, again, I mentioned that, um, did some research. Uh, you were in, you were in a band? I was. I, when I first, um, started out I went to Northwestern studied acting and then I transferred to USC and while I was there I met my best friend um, Daryl Hannah who um, dropped out of USC really quickly because she was in so many movies from Blade Runner and Summer Lovers it was crazy so when I graduated we decided we wanted to start a girl band 
and um, we, through a series of events, we met the guy who managed the police, and Sting gave me bass lessons, and Daryl had to drop out because Whoa. she was in Splash, and she was like too busy to come to rehearsals. She, she had a huge <laughs> career. But we had this great um, Louise Goffin, who was Carol King's daughter, was in it, and um, we ended up having one record out. We were called American Girls. We toured the world. We... Um, it was really, really fun. I had a great time, but we were kind of ahead of our time. We weren't like cutesy, like the Go-Go's. We weren't, you know, like the Bangles. We were just sort of this rock and roll band, and um, it, it was really fun. I wouldn't trade it for anything. But um, it, the other day I was a, in a thrift store with my daughter in Los Angeles, and she found our record in the bin for $4. So wow. that was pretty fun. <laughs> well, rewind back to Stain gave me bass lessons. <laughs> I know, I know. It was Only pretty, you it was can really have a throwaway so line. Hmm? <laughs> Only you can have a throwaway line as, oh, yeah, Sting gave me bass plays. <laughs> I know. Well, I didn't learn anything because he was too cute and I couldn't concentrate. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So um, in college, you studied theater? Yes, I studied uh theater and musical theater because there, that was really the only um, thing they had still to this day because my younger daughter is a model and she wants to be an actress and most of the college courses they don't really teach film acting they'll teach directing but you know I, I learned you know Shakespeare and Hedda Gabler and and I always played you know because I'm you know five foot ten I look evil and it's fun to play evil characters. I, I, I played, you know, in Alice in Wonderland. I played the Red Queen. And I think I took a lot of what I did and put that into Diva Talks later on in life. But, um, yeah, I, I really wanted to really be in film and TV. But um, they didn't really have any of those kind of classes. But it, it came in handy. It was a really good training. And then after that, I was also in the Groundlings with um, John Lovitz and Phil Hartman and Pee Wee Herman. And I learned how to do comedy improv and... Um, that also came in handy because um, I improvised a ton of things in, in the Power Rangers. That was so much fun because they kind of let me just say whatever I wanted and be really <laughs> funny. That that was a really great training for that. What what led you to acting? What led you to want to get into the business? I always wanted to be an actor. I mean, ever since I was little, just growing up on Long Island, I was. Um, I think what planted it in my head is. I had an older sister who was really gorgeous and everybody loved her and she was blonde and green eyed and I was like the weird dark kid with like one eyebrow and really thick glasses. Oh. And, um, <laughs> so I, it was good though because I had to develop a personality because people weren't naturally drawn to me. I had to be the funny one and um, my sister told me that when I was little she told me that uh, Elizabeth Taylor had left me on the doorstep because I was ruining her career because I had really blue eyes so people would... <laughs> You know, and mentioned like, Ooh, oh, she's got blue eyes. I'd say like one nice thing about me. And that's all that they could say. And then I had eyes like Elizabeth Taylor. And so I really thought for years that I was Elizabeth Taylor's long lost daughter. And that, you know, and my sister's like, if you're mean to me, I will tell mom and dad and they're in, I'm going to give you back. They're going to give you right back to Elizabeth Taylor because, you know, I'm the one who wanted you. So I was kind of shocked when I found out I wasn't her daughter. I was kind of pissed off about it. <laughs> and um, I, think, I think that's what did it. I think that's what put it in my brain. I Every birthday, I always made a wish, to, you know, I want to be an actress. And 
I remember like writing into the Brady Bunch and saying, you know, I think you should add another child. And, and, you know, I rewrote the theme song. I was like, you should change it to all but one has hair of gold, like their mother. And the youngest one has braces and glasses and freckles and is Jewish. And I like, I sent that (laughs) off (laughs) on like a cassette tape and like played this, you know, new song for them. Cause I thought, well, they're, they're going to want to use me, but they're going to have to change the theme song. So I love that. I do. I do. And, and I would be upset too, because you know, I want that white diamonds money. What? (laughs) I know. God damn it. I know. Best selling perfume of all time. Still wait. You know, it could come out that I was her long lost daughter. You just wait. (laughs) (laughs) Oh goodness. So, and so how did you end up on Power Rangers? How did that come about? Did that come about? It was so strange. I um, years before I'd done this really crappy, I should say, movie, which was called Hunk, and the girl who starred in it with me was named Deborah Shelton. And I remember one day being on the set. And later, I found out that Brad Pitt was an extra sitting behind me on the beach scene. So you what? Know, I was, I know, I'm so <laughs> dumb. I didn't even talk to him, but um, I was acting up a storm, and he's sitting right behind me. Um, but. Uh, Deborah Shelton came to the set with her husband, who was Shuki Levy. He had just come over from Israel. He didn't really speak any English. And um, he told me years later when I met him at the Power Ranger audition that he remembered me from Hunk, and he was thinking, one day I'm going to be a director, and I'm going to use that girl, which was strange. You just never know in your career you could be doing some really bad movie, and it can lead to something good. Mm -hmm. So I went into the Power Ranger audition, and I had never seen the Power Rangers, so um, I just minute I read the the character, I was like, wow, I, I, I know this character. I know it. And um, he saw me and he remembered me from that other movie. And the weird thing was, is that um, Grace Jones was supposed to play the character. And I think they just weren't able to work it out with her because um, who knows why, but lucky for me. And I ended up getting the part. And the day I got the part, I also found out I was pregnant with my second child. And I didn't tell them because I wanted the part so badly. So I whispered to, you know, the um, costume designer and she made the corset like expandable. So when you watch the movie, you can see, you can see like it's it's shot out of sequence, but my boobs are huge. I think I finished shooting. I was like six months pregnant. And I mean, it was really funny. So um, they kept saying to me, well, we want you to do the series, but the network is really worried about you covering up your boobs. And I would think to myself, oh, I don't have these boobs normally. These are pregnant boobs. But um, I ended up, yeah, so my child who came out, I called her the evil baby because she just heard me screaming and yelling the whole time she was pregnant, and she's this wild baby, so I knew why. Plus, I thought she was going to come out with purple hair because they dyed my hair purple during my pregnancy, which is, you're not supposed to do. You're not supposed to, right. He's blind. (laughs) There's so much, okay, there's so much, okay, so much information, wait a minute. Wait, start with Grace Jones as Diva Tax? I know. I, I That was a rumor I'd heard. I mean, I, I don't even know if that's official, but I, I, I remember when I got the part hearing something about it because that she was supposed to be the part. So I couldn't figure out how I got this. I was really an unknown and how I got this huge part in this major movie. You know, it was a Fox movie. It was a huge budget. It was like the greatest part I'd ever gotten. And it was it was like the it was awesome. I was so happy. So what was your audition process like for it? I just remember uh, getting the sides like you do from your agent. Usually you go and you read for a casting director. And 
I remember I'm um, changing the channels around and trying to find Power Rangers and, and I saw Rita and she had, I think she had red hair or something. I put like a clip on thing in my head to, to look like I had some crazy stripes in my hair, like bright red or something. But that's all I, I, I watched it for five minutes. And so I remember pretty much thinking I'd never get the part, which is the best way to get a part because I wasn't nervous. I, I just said, you know, oh, I'll just wing it. I don't care because I'll never get it. And I remember getting lost on the way also and thinking, oh, I should just turn around because this is before GPS systems. And I was like, well, I'll never get this part. Why am I getting myself crazy? But turning around and schlepping and going there, and I'm so glad I did. And then I remember I got called back, and then there was like five of us, and we went to um, the Saban office, and there was like five of us in the waiting room, and we, I went into, I remember, to Shuki Levy's office, and they would they were filming me, but... I just tore up his office. I just had a huge fit, and I just I just remember them telling me that they loved the humor I added. I made her very vain, and I made her. I thought, you know, as a mother, when I go to see movies, I like movies that have a whole another sense of humor on them, so that you know, kids think it's funny, but there's a whole another level. So if the parents have to sit through this movie, I wanted to entertain them too. So that's how I kind of crafted that character. So did Carol Hoyt um, audition with you as well, or sh or that no, was? I, no, I just remember uh, when I was pregnant, and they're like, "Well, we want you to start the series," and I was like, "I am." <laughs> I think the series started, and I was eight months pregnant. I'm like, I can't run around right now. I, oh, I was bedridden too. I had to stay in bed. Um, so they just said, "Well, would you come back?" You know, eventually, and I said, "Well, I, yeah, if I if it goes well." I was also doing Star Trek Deep Space Nine at the time, and I just was said, look, I don't know. So they they hired. I don't know if Carol Hoyt was ever in the running before, but I think I think they I, I think they hired her as someone who could look like me and all that, and and you know she took over the part, and they just kept calling me and going, are you done yet? Because the fans would you know they'd call and they go, that's not the real David Talks, and you know I remember I was in the hospital and they called me and they're like, did you push the baby out yet? I'm like, uh, you will be the first call, I promise. Wow. <laughs> I went back to work like after like two weeks and I have some really cute pictures of Scarlett like breastfeeding her on the set when she's got glitter all over her face because I always was having my glitter makeup on and it would always fall on the poor little baby. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, I mean, those must have been some really smart children because back in the day I could not tell the difference. I don't know if I wasn't paying attention or what have you, but I was just like, oh, this is a different name. She changed her name? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and then Bewitched, when I was little, they changed Darren Stevens on us, and I didn't notice either, so I don't know who was calling in and 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 complaining, but obviously someone did, because they really wanted me back, so I don't know. I don't know why. So, uh, let's talk about the Turbo movie. Um, so, what was your um, first few days of set like, being on the actual um, set? I just remember I was really it was huge i mean it was so awesome because it was it was they built those gorgeous sets but the strangest thing was the the people the guy that played elgar and my two sidekicks they were in these giant costumes and they couldn't see or hear anything and i remember like they were smashing into each other and smashing into me and i remember feeling really bad for them because you know they they worked their butts off but they're inside these costumes and they would say the lines with me but later on someone else had to dub their voices and i i always felt bad for them and I remember um, hoping that no one knew I was pregnant and 
just ho wanting to get enough filming under the, my belt so that when the time they found out I was pregnant that they couldn't fire me, that they'd had too much <laughs> filming on so that they couldn't fire me and hoping no one kicked me in the stomach during the fight scenes. <laughs> but no, I, she never fought. I mean, that was so great about my character. I just screamed at everybody and, and ordered everyone around, but I never actually, you know, t did any hand-to-hand -hand combat, just a little bit at the end. But I was mostly just, a, you know, had everyone else do my bidding. But um, I, we actually got a new director. Uh, Shuki Levy uh, ended up taking over directing the movie, and he and I just got along so well. It was like we were on the same wavelength. And I just, I would think of something hilarious or to say, and he would have thought of it too. And he would just let the cameras roll and let me say whatever I wanted to. And it was really fun being able to just improvise like that. Because it was really refreshing to see. I mean, with Rita. You know, you love the voice, and but you always knew that it was a different person that was in the costume that was on set. So uh -huh. it was refreshing to see that, oh, look, a villainess, and it's all her. Everything. <laughs> all I know, and I remember I was so heartbroken. So the movie gets cut together, and they call me, and they want me to loop the entire movie within a day when I was like nine months pregnant and I was like no because all the dialogue because the the um the mechanics like Elgar and I can't even think of the other guy's name who's the other guy Rygog. Elgar and and who Rygog yep was it Rygog um they were so noisy that they 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 ruined the sound on everything so I had to loop my entire performance over again and I was like oh my god I don't, I don't want it to look like a Marita with a different voice and they gave me one day and I was like nope I'm going to take as long as I want because I want this to be perfect you know I want I don't want it to look like it's you know dubbed <laughs> well so. thank you for that <laughs> <laughs> took it very seriously it's like <laughs> I am 20 years pregnant exactly I know my poor kid, just hearing, she, she probably thought, my mother's a total bitch, jeez. <laughs> she was right. <laughs> um, any moments that stick out that were funny to you or embarrassing to others? Um, I remember um, there was a lot of Israelis on the set, and I had gone to Hebrew school for years and not remembered anything and gotten kicked out. And they were always speaking Hebrew, and I knew they were talking about me. And one day I just screamed out, Shenget Babakasha, which is the only thing I could remember from Hebrew school, which was, Shut up, please. And they all looked at me like, Oh! <gasps> and then I remember um, the Shuki saying to me, Oh, you're Jewish? And I was like, Uh huh. And everyone looked really freaked out so they were obviously saying horrible things about me <laughs> oh <laughs> i didn't know what the hell they said but i from then on nobody spoke hebrew in front of me it was really funny <laughs> it's like how if you go into the uh to the hair salon that's you know all exactly. hispanic and they all speak spanish and exactly. you know they're talking about you and you're like look gallete la boca you you know you exactly. can't and you're like oh you lost it Hmm. Yeah, it was really funny. I loved it. It was a good moment. I'm glad I, it, it wasn't worth it going to Hebrew school all those years, but it almost was. <laughs> Do you, did you, uh, in the movie, did you get to work with any of the Rangers? Uh, I did at the end. Um, when we captured them, um, and I was trying to feed them to my... Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, to... That what, pit. My, 
husband, the, yeah, the fiery pit, they were all in that scene, and we got, I got to work with them. That was really fun with Amy Jo Johnson, and um, I remember her. And yeah, yeah, I, I, I sort of met all of them. Kath, Catherine, the blonde girl, and um, yeah, they were all really sweet. And Blake Foster was really cute. He was a little boy, and he was, he could, he was such a good. He was really good at karate and all that, and. Um, he was sweet. Yeah, I, I did get to work with them. I mean, I think they were probably all afraid of me because <laughs> I was trying to kill them. But it was all in, it was all in good fun. The strangest thing that would happen later is that you know I had two little girls, my own daughters, and I, when I would go to birthday parties, uh, the Power Rangers would come. You know how you hire like a fake Power Ranger to come to mm -hmm. the birthday party. And all the kids would freak out and be like, the evil queen is in the kitchen. She's going to kill you. <laughs> and I'd have to be like, okay, I'm off duty. I'm off duty. I will not be killing anybody. And so it was very confusing for all my, for my children growing up. <laughs> with, the, with the purple hair. You're going to write some great book, I'm sure. Some Mommy Dearest book. It will be awesome that they write about me. <laughs> But how come they dyed your hair, though? Like, how come they just couldn't put on clip-ins? Well, because I had a clip-on giant purple ponytail, but they dyed the other part of my hair that attached to it. But it, you couldn't even see it in the movie. I was in a submarine most of the time, and you couldn't tell that my hair was bright purple until I walk out into, um, you know, I finally make it to land, and I'm going to go marry my beloved, and then I'm walking around. But for most of the movie, I'm in a submarine, and you can't see. I don't know. Oh, the things we do for for, for your art. <laughs> I know. Pretty much every movie, I always had to dye my hair red. Or I, I, the next movie I did for Adam's family, I they dyed my hair blonde, which took eight hours and ruined my hair. In the Scanner movie, I had black hair. I know. I always had to dye my hair. I don't know, but it was it was all worth it. It was fun. You get to play dress up. And then you get you have and then you have your baby. You're you're. You you're well rested for two weeks. <laughs> well rested, <laughs> um, and uh, then you get back to filling. I mean, get back to your role on Turbo. Uh, did it feel weird? Did it feel different? Do you feel like you missed um, out on the party? You know not at all. I mean, I felt bad for Carol. Like I, I'm sure she felt bad, but I'm. I hope that they had told her that was the situation that she was just filling in for me. I, I really don't know. I, I know that the assistant director like was pissed off. I think he he and Carol had a thing, and he was he he was the strangest guy. He used to be barefoot on the set and eat ice cream cones that were I swear to God they were attached to the back of his assistant director's chair, and he had these boxes and boxes of just the cones, and he would eat his cones and he was barefoot and he would just glare at me, and I'm like I'm sorry I this was my part originally. I, <laughs> Didn't mean to get rid of Carol. It's the most bizarre story. It was so bizarre. I, I mean, it was. I never saw anyone do that. Eat. He had his. It was the wafer kind of cones with no ice cream in him. And yeah, he was. I. I. I was never sure if he was going to kill me in my sleep or something. But <laughs> if you're listening, sorry. <laughs> wow. Okay. Wow. But I mean, but she did still play Demetria, though. I mean, it's not the same. Uh, no, but... no, I I played Demetria. Oh, you played. Oh, you played her when you came, when she when you came back. Yeah, I don't even know. If, yeah, I played Demetria when I have. I found a picture of somebody sent me recently of me as Demetria. Yeah, I I didn't watch it. I didn't know what she had done. I didn't see what she did with the character. I was, you know, I don't know. I was pregnant and I was. 
I just didn't even know. So I've, I've never seen her um, do my character. I, and my own children didn't even watch me. You know, it, was, it would be on TV and, you know, I had a five-year-old daughter and she just would be like, why aren't you the pink Power Ranger? Like, she didn't care. So <laughs> I it. I've never seen any of my episodes. I wouldn't, I, I hope maybe they're on Netflix or something. I've seen the movie, but I've never seen any of the TV shows. Oh, yeah, they're there. They're there. They're on DVD. They are, they're, on, they're everywhere now. <laughs> yeah, you can go to Walmart and get it. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. I'll, I'll look for it. I gotta buy them. <laughs> I'd like to see them. And so, and so, you, with Turbo, did you get to work with more of the cast still? Or were you, it was like, like I'm, you know, I'm in villain land, and <laughs> that's about. Yeah, I mean, what happened was, is I'm because I had a new baby. I said, look, I, I want to work. I and I was also doing Star Trek: Deep Space Nine at the time, so they were really cool. They let me shoot all my stuff in two days, so I would shoot about four or five episodes um, at a time, and I would, sh- you know, they'd point the camera one way, and I'd shoot everything, and you know, in four or five episodes this way, and then I'd. They'd point the camera the other way, and I'd shoot the other way. It was it was very interesting to try to remember what was going on in each episode. But basically, I was just trying to kill the Power Rangers, so it was pretty much the same. <laughs> until the big epic battle at the end with all the flags and the, you know, the craziness. I, um, yeah. So I I basically didn't really work with him at all. It was mm-hmm. just in the submarine, and with my minions. That was pretty much it. And they shot separately. Right, right, right. So, I mean, and, and then we had, um, it was the, uh, I believe it was the Turbo, fa- that we had the, what you call it, the, I guess the transition from Turbo in into in space. And, you know, the, the Rangers, they're getting destroyed and everything. And, and then you're like, I'm on top of the world. I'm the queen. I'm awesome. <laughs> and, and then the next season, not so much, not so much. <laughs> and um, then, was that? Did you did you think that you were going? Were were you going to be carried into the next season, or was it always going to be Turbo and that's it? No, no, they they were definitely gonna. I remember we did one last scene where I think there was a bunch. It was like the Last Supper with all the different villains that there were. And I always knew it was going to be, a, you know, a limited run. And, um, uh, yeah, no, I think they always do that with the Power Rangers. They get new ones. They get, you know, they're, they're con- I think that's the secret to what's so great about them. They're constantly, you know, changing it and redoing it. And so as the kids, you know, start to get sick of it, then they bring a whole new cast in in both ways. So I think that's why it's been on so long, you know. So um, yeah, that was always the plan was to get get a whole new thing going on. But you always that the villain that kind of you know she came back once or twice, you know, peeped her head in. <laughs> like uh, hello. Oh, I know I'm still not dead. They didn't kill me, so that's right. We'll see. I'm actually meeting with Shuki, so maybe what? you never know. Maybe I'll be coming back. What? Awesome. I, I don't know. That would be. I don't know. Um, I think they should do like a you know Real Housewives of of Power Rangers and have me and Rita and you know all the. <laughs> you know that's exactly Shana. who you are. You are the catty villainess. <laughs> Always exactly. <in> the <laughs> I know. I watch those people and I'm like, oh, they've learned everything from me. 
I can't speak to Black City. You live that way. But, um, yeah, it's, I think it would be really funny if they did something like that. So I'll bring that up. Gosh, the Let's Real do. Housewives of Angel Grove. Oh. Yes. How good would that be? The oh. Evil Housewives. I love that. I love that. Yo, Shuki, <laughs> get on that. Okay. okay. I'll tell him. Oh, my goodness. Um, so... Before I move on, fellas, uh, the spy, the turbo, ex, you know, aficionado, <laughs> do you have any questions? Oh, no, nothing in particular. Nothing? Come on. No, you can't think of anything really. you've always wanted to ask. Uh, well, I think we kind of covered it with the uh, the Carol Hoyt issue. Cause oh, is that, a, that. is that the big yeah. issue? Well, it's not like an issue, I guess, but it's just like, ooh, how did that work out? How did, uh, how did she feel when she left? Or I don't know. Yeah, we I don't know. I, I, I always, you know, I, I remember, I remember, I was in my dressing room and she came in to say, you know, goodbye and good luck, and she was really sweet. And um, I just hope she knew that I didn't have anything, you know, that I think she always knew that it was, yeah. you know, I was originally the part and that I was coming back. I mean, I, who knows? You know, it, it's a brutal business, <laughs> yes. show business. It really is. They don't, you know, it's it's just the way it is. And if you're going to be an actor, you got to you got to be really tough. It's it's like you're, you know, a, a boxer and you complain about getting punched. It's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. I think that's why when people finally make it, they, you know, they get so, you know, they overindulge themselves because they've been beat down for so long. That's how mostly, you know, I think it is. It's hard. It's something, a lot of reward, but a lot of risk. Something I did remember, uh, how annoying <laughs> was it to play Demetria who only talked in questions all the uh, time. I, it was so fun for me because I am never the good person in all the movies I've ever done. I'm, you know, I'm always evil. So for me to actually play somebody sweet was such a great challenge. I, I loved it, you know. So it wasn't annoying at all. It was just I, I never get to play those parts. Mm. So. It it's so fun to hear it that way because it always seems like actors are like, oh, I'm always so good. I would just love a nice villainous role. <laughs> I think yeah. that's what happens is where if you always play one type of role, you wish to be on the other side. It's like, I just want people to like me. I know, <laughs> you know? that's so true. But it is really true. I mean, villains, have, it's the best part. You get to just be the You get to say what everyone else is thinking. You know, I got to really just let loose and be the biggest brat and have everyone listen to me and scream and yell and act like a two-year-old and have no repercussions and get paid for it. And it was great. <laughs> <laughs> so I would definitely much rather play the villain anytime. And show off the boobs. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, when they were there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and these kids these days, they have push-ups. Oh, yeah, there's all sorts of things you can do. Cutlets and... Please. Right, exactly. So, okay. exactly. So, uh, I guess I'd like to move on to your other projects. Okay. <laughs> uh, you had you you did a couple of board games with your your bestie. Yeah, I did. I, Daryl, Hannah, and I um, we used to have game nights, and uh, we actually developed some board games from that. And one of them was called Library L I E Brary, which won a ton of awards. It was really fun. And then another one is Famous Last Lines, which is like last lines of movies. And a company called Hollywood Player has bought it, and they're making it into some kind of app and some kind of online playing thing, which, and it's been taking years and years. So 
Um, who knows if it's ever going to get done, but that was really fun. And um, I like to do a lot of different things. I'm a creative person, and I like to, you know, I don't know, make things up. I just wrote a, a novel that's doing really well. It's a YA novel. It's a science fiction book that takes place in the future. It's called Jesus, and it's available on Amazon. And um, I've been tweeting out, tweeting out to my fans, whoever buys it and tweets me a picture, I've been sending um, autographed pictures to the people who buy my book, and that's been really helping it get out there. And then people are actually loving the book, so that's been great. So let's talk about Jesus. Okay, let's, let's talk about that for a moment. Because I was reading the, I was reading on Amazon, and tell us how you came about writing this book. What made you write this book? Um, a lot of different things came came together for me. I um, I've always written things, and I wrote a a show for the CBC. I won a Canadian Emmy for, but it's like pulling teeth for me. I I have great ideas, like everyone, but to sit down and actually write something is really difficult. So I actually had some kind of you know tragedy in my life where I was diagnosed with breast cancer, and my sister, non-smoker, had stage four lung cancer, and my dad had cancer. My mother, it was just insane. Wow. And I started writing for these cancer websites, and I'm totally recovered. And I started giving women a lot of help and things I learned because I did a ton of research, and I really learned I had to be my own advocate. But um, during that time, I had a lot of downtime, and I was in bed a lot. Um, I always had these weird reoccurring dreams since I was little that would just kind of haunt me, where I lived in this mall, and I couldn't go out, and the whole world was destroyed. And I've always had these dreams. So uh, a couple years ago, I went to Las Vegas, and my, my boyfriend was working there, and a friend took me to see uh, a tarot card reader. She was like 80 years old, and she, she was an old showgirl, and she had this big pink coat on. She was really cool. And I sat down, and she started doing my cards, and she's, she's like, she could hardly talk. She was like this. And she's like, who has the bad lungs? And she was talking about my sister. I couldn't believe she knew that. And then... She kept saying, you're a writer. And I'm like, well, I write for some websites, but I'm not really. She goes, you're going to write this book, and it takes place in the future, and it's for kids, and you're going to make millions, seven figures, seven figures. And I'm like, I don't know what she's talking about. And so she finally went, I don't know what this word means. And she wrote down the word Jesus on a piece of paper. And my heart just like stopped because that was like this character in my dream that I would have all the time. And I never told anybody about these dreams. So... I went, oh, God damn it, now i got to write this damn book. <laughs> so <laughs> I had, like, I'm facing another operation, and I was going to be in bed, so I just said, I'm just going to write it. I'm not going to put any pressure on myself, and I'm just going to write it when I feel like it. And I, it took me, like, two years and a bunch of rewrites, and I finally wrote it, and um, it's on its second printing. I had this really cool... Uh, fan from Brazil who was also Daryl's fan. Oh, Daryl wrote the forward for the book um, in the second printing and he sent me the most beautiful drawings and he's Portuguese and doesn't speak any English but he somehow captured all my characters so I just reissued the book with his beautiful drawings uh, and the new cover and um, it's just a story that I always wanted to tell and it it's it's based on the dreams I, ha I had but it's also to do with uh, it's got very strong eco themes and about you know where I feel our our planet is heading. It's also very satirical and has a lot of humor, 
and it's about these, it takes place 300 years in the future, and these two little girls um, live um, in this protected forest with their mother, and everybody else in the world lives in these giant malls and is afraid of nature and afraid to go out because everyone's getting poisoned by this thing called the big sick, and they're afraid of it, that it's in the water and the air, so everyone lives in these very protected, weird malls, and everyone thinks these these people are crazy that live out there and one day their mother disappears and they have to go out into the world and find what happened to her and find their legacy and these two little girls end up kind of saving the world and it's it's, it's a pretty cool story I'm really proud of it and I think a lot of people that read it are kind of surprised and I, I've been getting some great letters and I have a beautiful website called shesisthebook.com if anyone wants to check it out and I uh, have the book exclusively available on Amazon. <laughs> wow, this so sounds it. very good. So everyone, buy a copy or I'm coming for you. That's right. <laughs> and if you buy a copy and tweet me at The Real Diva Talks and tweet me um, your, you know, th that you bought it at Amazon, you can show me where you've ordered it or show me a picture of you with the book, I will send you some autographed pictures. Sweet. <laughs> so yeah, you. So yeah, you guys have no excuse. Uh, right. After after you listen to this interview, I want to hear that every single one of you who listened bought a book. I don't want anything else. All right. And trust me, you'll love it. If you like the Hunger Games and sci-fi and all that, you'll you'll like this book. That is amazing. Well, you know, and you mentioned earlier that you have been kind of under the radar a little bit and hearing that you're a cancer survivor and it, it ran in your family as well. Uh, mm -hmm. How, how do you advise other people? How do you help other people go through or help other people mm -hmm. deal with what you went through? Well, the most important thing I learned and it was an interesting way I learned it. I, through a series of events, I be, had become very good friends with Donna Karen, who's like one of my idols. And she has a charity called Urban Zen, and it's another one of my crazy things I did. I, I made purses for, for Urban Zen out of vintage stuff, and I would sell those for her and give all that money to Urban Zen. Well, I used to work at some of her events, and people would speak, and there were a lot of cancer survivors, and um, they talked about how you have to be your own advocate. and. Uh, I think the the biggest thing I learned is when I got diagnosed is that I you you expect you go to a doctor and people you know you just put them in yourself in their hands and you expect them to get you better but you it really doesn't work that way you really have to be your own advocate you have to do your research there's so many things you can look up online now and I really took it into my own hands and and tried to find the best treatment for myself and um and I think that's what I, you know, help people. I, I, you know, it's just nothing that I do that's like, um, it's very casual. I have a friend, so many people are diagnosed every day. It's just, it's just rampant. So I have people call me all the time and ask me for, you know, advice or whether it's from, you know, doctors or, you know, just different things. I'm not, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a nurse, but I can just help people with what I know. But my biggest thing was that I really, you know, at one point I was driving around Los Angeles with my tissues in my car going from doctor to doctor and you know, sitting at the board of UCLA. I just asked a ton of questions. I, I, I really tried to find what, you know, the best treatment for me was. And I really, you know, had to re really participate in my healing. I did not want 
I was had two young daughters. I was like, I am not ready to die, and I was going to do everything I could to, you know, to heal myself. And um, I just think everybody needs to participate in their health. And unfortunately, you know, for the the world is is poisoning us. We're poisoning our, you know, we're poisoning the world, and it's poisoning us. And that's that's sort of what the message of my book is and why I wanted to write it because nobody wants to see another story about you know a kid dying of cancer or and no one wants to hear another pre another preachy book there's a million books on cancer survival but I wanted to tell a story that would could really affect the world and could really you know teach people something in a very entertaining and exciting way and um, that's what I feel like my book does so did the, writing the book ever help you with your dreams, or is that something that you still have? That's really interesting. I haven't had the dreams since I wrote the book. Really? Yeah, I haven't. Yeah. That's a good point. I haven't even thought of that. I haven't yeah. had those reoccurring dreams since then. I kind of miss them. I, I really like them, but they're also really scary and strange and funny and weird. And But, um, yeah, I haven't. Hmm. And now it's out in the universe. Right. <laughs> now just waiting for the seven figures. That's exactly. Right. <laughs> That's the next part. That's the next part. Well, it's really interesting because Daryl loves it so. It's like her favorite book she's ever read. Thank God. And um, you know, the, they say you write for the person next to you, or you write for. I had her in mind so much, um, and she really wants to direct it and make it into a movie. So that's what wow. we're going to try to do. Cool. And Rosanna Arquette too is another good friend of mine. She loved it and she's been you know she's a really huge advocate for it and it was a great message i think it could make a great tv show or a movie and i think you know kids would love it it's it's funny and it's got romance and excitement and i think it's, there's a lot going for it does it have any sparkling vampires it does not <laughs> thank you that's it it's a winner Wait. i avoided all of that yeah it's nothing like that and Although it is dystopian, it's almost the opposite of, of a normal dystopian novel. But I just, everybody read it and tweet me and tell me what you think of it and write to me. I, I love feedback. It's been great just getting fan art and all that kind of stuff. Well, speaking of fans, uh, you know that there have been many uh, alums that have done conventions and meet and greets and what have you is that something that you see in your future i actually i'm just gonna do it for the first time i i've been asked because even being on star trek i was um i was on three episodes of deep space nine i was a benzonite woman which i guess was very unusual there i don't i don't know much about star trek and then i was on um i played this character lauren who was like the smartest woman in the universe and a um i was a sex maniac too. <laughs> so, <laughs> total opposite of what I am. No, just kidding. Wasn't acting at all. So um, <laughs> it was. I had to dance and sing on there. It was. It was actually really fun. So I get. I get asked all the time. So so far this year, I am going to go to Power Morphicon in August, and I'm going to go to Ranger Stop in Florida in November. All right. Nice. So I'm excited. I've never done one of these before. I didn't know if I had fans. I didn't know if anyone was interested. So hopefully there'll be people there who want my oh. autograph. Oh, wow. Me. No, they will. Yeah. They will. Yeah, so everybody lucky. says that the first time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I would. I just, I, I hope there's people there. That's all I can say. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
especially when you've never been there before they are looking for you <laughs> they're okay. already looking for you <laughs> okay good definitely maybe i'll make my seven figures that way it's definitely a possibility <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would be just very humiliating and then i went online because i thought oh i should get some divatox dolls and i have one doll and i have one you know little one and one big one and i go online and they're all like hundreds of dollars i couldn't believe it yeah it's pretty rare oh damn it i should have saved them i they didn't give me them anyway i think they gave me one and i bought one <laughs> did you get to keep any props from the show or did you steal any props from the show but no i wish i did i didn't keep anything um I remember I was, they were going to give me the eel from the movie, and then they went, no, wait, we'll see. I think we're going to use it in the TV show. And then um, I just didn't keep any props. I had a Divatox flag, and I don't know what happened to it. But I know a guy who he, he's tweeted me with, he has my compact, he has my arm, he has a flag. Edgar. Edgar. Yes, Edgar. <laughs> yeah. Or Elgar, as I call him. <laughs> so you know Edgar. Uh, yes, Edgar has everything. <laughs> oh, gosh, I want a I want a flag though. So he said he knows the guy who got the flag. It was like the prop guy selling stuff off. I don't know. So um, I have to find out how I can get at least a flag because we had hundreds of those somewhere. But I'd like a do. I'd like something. Nothing to ask Shuki for. Yeah, exactly. I have a list. <laughs> a whole list of things. <laughs> uh, my demands. <laughs> yeah. Evil queen, I demand. Exactly. He knows what will happen if he doesn't listen to me. <laughs> oh my goodness. I guess it, this is kind of like a softball question, but out of all the roles that you've played, um, which one is your favorite? Hmm. No, it, for sure it's Diva Talks. No question. There's nothing better than that part. I mean, that was everything I was, you know, that was, that was just the height of my career. It was just the greatest part I could have been given. The freedom they gave me to chew up the scenery and say whatever I wanted to say. I mean, I had a corset on, giant boots. I mean, I wish I didn't have to wear the mask, but I know why they did that, because they had to switch Divatoxes out, and it was to fool the kids. But other than that, um, I, that was my greatest part, for sure, no question. And do you have any final thoughts to the fans? I just want to tell the fans I'm so happy that I have fans and I can't wait to meet you all. Come see me at the convention because um, I'll be waiting. If you don't come, I will find you. <laughs> oh my goodness, well, thank you so much. Thank you. It was really fun, and thanks for um, for the interview. And I can't wait, can't wait to hear it. Make me sound good, girl. <laughs> <laughs>